Our first reading this morning comes to us from the book of 2 Samuel. This is where Nathan rebukes David. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew with him and with his children. It was like one, one, one of their children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would have added to you much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and had killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. That is our first reading. Our second reading this morning is from the book of Romans. It's about the marks of a true Christian. Let love be genuine. Adhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. 
be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is our second reading. The love your enemy theme continues into our gospel reading for today from the book of Matthew. Jesus was telling the scribes and Pharisees, he says, you have heard what it is said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more will you do to others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing? You therefore must be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. That is our gospel reading for today. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. Well, as Jesus says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your neighbor, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What do I have here? A heart. Everybody has a heart, right? Now, I'm not sure how many, maybe the kids have watched how the Grinch stole Christmas and how he had a really tiny heart because he did not love everybody. He was only out for himself. But at the end of the show, what happened to his heart? It grew and grew and grew. Big like this big heart right here. Well, see, the thing about the heart and about love is that we're all here gathered together today and we're all friends and family and so forth and we love each other, don't we? But what about those that were maybe mean to us? What about those who may have hurt us? Do we love those people as well? Or do we think, oh, I'm going to get even with them. 
I'm not looking at anybody specific. It's just, I'm just looking all over. <laughs> Is there somebody guilty out there? I'm not sure, but... Loving is something that really is a challenge for everybody, not just the kids, but us as, as adults as well, because Jesus tells us we're supposed to love everybody. And I know it's easier in school because in school we got the, the school bullies that like to bully people around. Even as adults, we have coworkers or the boss that might like to bully us around or, or try to wear us down. So how do we as Christians then react to those people? Are we supposed to love them? Yes. It isn't always easy to love your enemies, but there's some good reasons to do it. It demonstrates the love of God to others. It sets a good example for others to follow. And it actually does turn enemies into friends. You see, if you keep loving somebody long enough, one of your enemies, eventually they may turn and be friends with you. It does happen. I've been a witness to that. Every time you see somebody that you don't like or, I don't know, that doesn't like you, hey, good morning. And make a special effort to say good morning to them. Make it really known that, hey, I'm trying to reach out to you. There's this cute little story about this pastor who struggled with about loving your enemy theory. Here's his story. Jesus said, love your enemy. And I was determined to give it a try. But how? The practical steps were fuzzy. Number one, who is even my enemy? Well, I dug through the stacks of Christian books and magazines provided by my parents in the church, discovering steps to assurance of heaven and how to lay out the Romans' road to a friend. But little or no practical point on loving one's enemy. Eventually, I found it. A children's magazine arrived in the mail, and one of the devotional readings described how to respond to bullies in a Christ-like way. It goes like this. The devotional suggested that when a bully insults me, for example, saying, my sweater is ugly, I should respond not by defending myself, but by responding to him in a way to say, yeah, I agree, I think my sweater is ugly, but I think you have a pretty shirt. So you don't defend yourself. You just go along with the flow. Yeah, this is an ugly sweater, you know. But hey, you got a really nice shirt. Well, then the time came up to, for the big test. He read through several issues and so forth, and he had an opportunity. One day in class, in school, they were taking off their shoes and socks to play in the sandbox at school. One of the girls pointed to my feet and said, your feet are so small. To me, this was the height of all insults. I was small for my age. A situation that proved humiliating on a daily basis, but I knew what to do. I guess you're right, I said bravely. My feet are small, but I think your feet are super huge. 
Well, the rest of the interaction did not go the way he had anticipated. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're trying to overplay our hand a little bit. And we have to be careful of that as well. But as Christians, we are supposed to love our enemies. And one of those ways is to love those who persecute you. It's natural for us to pray for those in Afghanistan or to pray with those having an aftermath of a hurricane or natural disaster. But if we're truly going to love our enemies, this means loving the boss or co-worker who takes advantage of you. And yes, even people like Putin. You're going, oh my. Jesus says, love your enemies. I'm not making this up. And that's where the big challenge comes into our lives. We're supposed to pray for those. Be, you know, do what we can. Even though the Russians are trying to overtake Ukraine, we're supposed to still pray for them, love them, reach out to them. There's several verses in the Bible that actually talk about how to pray for our enemies. Now, you remember the story of Joseph. His brothers had done some bad things to him. And when their father had died, the brothers were fearful that Joseph would retaliate against them. So they sent a message to Joseph. Let's read that encounter in Genesis 50, verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servant of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now think about maybe some family encounters. You have family members who like to rock the boat, create chaos. How hard it is, is it for you to speak kindly of them? Or is it easier to go with the flow? Yeah, they are always putting me down or they're always doing something bad or they just, they don't seem to have a heart and we speak negatively about them and yet Jesus contrary says, no, speak kindly to them, is what Joseph was saying here. He spoke kindly about his brothers, even what they had done to him. 
Life isn't a bowl of cherries, is it? It's the pits. <laughs> it's a challenge. In Paul's letter recorded in 1 Timothy 2.1, we read, he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You notice the key operative word here that I talked about earlier. How many people should we be praying for? Some? All people. Not just your friends, not just those who you get along with, not just your family, all people. While dying on the cross, Jesus says these words that should be an echo into our very heart, as recorded in Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those are some striking words coming from the Son of God who we put up on the cross, nailed there to die. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. In one of the Beatitudes recorded in Luke 6, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who abuse you. As you can see, it's sprinkled throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, about how we are to love our enemies and get along with everybody. In Job's final appear that he made in the 31st chapter, he responds to those who hate him by saying, if I have rejoiced at the ruin of him who hated me or exalted when evil overtook him, I have not let my mouth sin by asking for his life with a curse. Then that follows up with Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Do not rejoice when your enemy fails and not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. How many times maybe we have said when somebody's when something bad happens to somebody bad, <laughs> he got what he deserves. We may say that. And we may rejoice in that. <laughs> he finally got what he deserves after everything that he has done. And yet it says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Same thing is recorded in Romans. Romans chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. So if our enemy is hungry... We just tell them to shoo away and go hungry. 
If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If thirsty, give him something to drink, as Proverbs 25 says so. Because by doing so, you'll be heaping burning coals on his head. The story in Acts 9 is about Saul's conversion. But there's an underlying story also in that story. Something that maybe we don't take into consideration. And I want to talk about that a little bit. It's about Ananias. Think about the situation. God comes to him in a vision, speaking his name, and Ananias responds, Here I am, Lord. Then as the conversation continues, he's caught a little bit off guard. You want me to do what? To Saul? I've heard of all the evil he is doing. You realize that he has the authority to bind all, and that means me too, who call on your name. This had to be terrifying for Ananias. Now we have the benefit of of reading the whole story and knowing the outcome, but realize when God is talking to Ananias about going to Saul, there had to be fear going through him. He has to confront Saul, the persecutor of the church, the enemy of God. So what comes into play then? Trust. Ananias trusts God. He doesn't argue with him eventually. He says, all right, I will do it. And we know the rest of the story. And Saul is converted and becomes the great apostle Paul, writing much of the scriptures. It's easy to go up to a friend and talk to them and carry on a loving conversation, but when somebody is not your friend, somebody who is a hatred to you, it's difficult to do that. It's even tough to face them. It's tough to look them in the eye and talk to them because we know what they did to me, but yet God calls us and commands us to do so. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote an essay entitled Loving Your Enemies. He says this, To our most bitter opponents, we say, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as cooperation with good. Throw us in jail, and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send your hooded proprietors of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead and we shall still love you. But be ye assured 
that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. I came across this interesting story that he also talked about. It's actually about Abraham Lincoln. Perhaps it's one of the greatest examples about loving somebody and not turning on them. We all remember the great president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. These United States, rather. You remember when Abraham Lincoln was running for president of the United States, there was a man who ran all over the country talking about Lincoln. He said a lot of bad things about Lincoln. A lot of unkind things. And sometimes he would get to the point that he would even talk about his look, saying, you don't want a tall, lanky, ignorant man like this as president of the United States. He went on and on and on and went around with a type of attitude and wrote about it. Finally, one day, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. And if you read the great biography of Lincoln, if you read the great works about him, you will discover that as every president comes to the point, he came to the point of having to choose a cabinet. And then came the time for him to choose a secretary of war. Abraham Lincoln looked across the nation and decided to choose a man by the name of Mr. Stanton. And when Abraham Lincoln stood around his advisors and mentioned this fact, they said to him, Mr. Lincoln, you're a fool. Do you not know that Mr. Edward M. Stanton has been saying about you? Do you know what he has done, tried to do to you? Do you know that he has tried to defeat you on every hand? Do you know that, Mr. Lincoln? Did you read all those derogatory statements that he made about you? Abraham Lincoln stood before the advisors around him and said, Oh yes, I know about it. I read about it. I've heard him myself. But after looking over the country, I find that he is the best man for the job. Mr. Stanton did become the Secretary of War. And a few months later, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And if you go to Washington, you will discover that one of the greatest words or statements ever made by about Abraham Lincoln was made about this man, Stanton. And as Abraham Lincoln came to the end of his life, Stanton stood up and said, Now he belongs to the ages. He made a beautiful statement concerning the character and stature of this man. If Abraham Lincoln had hated Stanton, if Abraham Lincoln had answered everything Stanton had said, Abraham Lincoln would not have transformed the redeemed Stanton. 
Stanton would have gone to his grave hating Lincoln, and Lincoln would have gone to his grave hating Stanton. But through the power of love, Abraham Lincoln was able to redeem Stanton. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. And now we need to also redeem those who are unfavorable to us. It's a tough task, but it's a task that we must do. We have to realize that back then, the Roman Empire was taking over the land and they were killing people on the roadside, persecuting the Christians. It was horrible for the Christians to live over there at that time. And yet Jesus Christ comes into the picture and says, love your enemies. He's telling them, you must love them, even though they are doing bad things to you. And this is where the rubber meets the road, even today, that we are supposed to love one another. If we just love each other as friends and relatives as we are here, what do we gain? Even the, even the pagans do that. They love one another. It's when we reach out to those who are hatred towards us and try to love them and pray for them and give them grace and give them peace and say, God, help me through this and help them as well because they need help. Living the life of a Christian is challenging and we have to be really careful because in today's society, it is so easy, and I see it so often, people on social media will start bashing somebody. They will talk bad about this person or talk bad about that person. I've even seen it where family members will bash each other on there, and I'm thinking, why? Number one, we don't need to air our dirty laundry out in the line, for one thing. But it's more importantly that we're supposed to love and not try to stir up the waters. The water is clear. You can see down to the bottom. But as soon as you start stirring it up, it gets muddy and murky. And pretty soon you can't see down there. And you cannot see the other side. And life is a muddy mess. It's time to clear up the water. If you let the water sit... It will clear itself out. Sometimes if we just leave things alone and don't try to agitate somebody, but rather just try to be nice, things will clear up. And you'll see the bottom. We say the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Those are very serious words that we say and should not be taken for granted. We want God to forgive us, so we too are to forgive other people as well. Loving one another, loving your enemies, requires a big heart. We need to take our big heart that we have 
and let it continue to grow. Let it continue to thrive. Reach out to people with a loving heart, a big heart. He says, do it out in the open. Let people know that you're trying to be nice to them. And you know, sometimes we expect it to be done. I'm going to be nice to him today, so tomorrow he'll be nice to me. doesn't work that way though maybe sometimes it will but you have to be nice over and over and over and day and month and year after year after year I had somebody who was basically mad at me wouldn't talk to me for years I, every time I see him I'd, I'd say hi to them and they would just snuff up their nose and walk away. It's like, no, I'm not going to go down to their level. I'm going to continue to be nice to them. And finally, one day, when I said hi to them, they said hi back to me. It's like, wow, is the end coming? No, I didn't say that. But you almost kind of want to think about that. It's like, wow, this is great. Finally, after all these years, we can actually now carry on a conversation and I can talk to that individual. It takes time. But be persistent. Don't give up. Thank God that Jesus didn't give up on us. He almost did once when he remembered the big flood and he found favor in Noah and, and saved the family of Noah. Because Jesus had it up, God had it up, up to here with how bad everything was. But then he sent the flood, cleaned the world, started over basically with Noah and his friends. And of course what happens after that, we go back to our old bad habits. And that's why Jesus had to come back into the picture as a human being to die on the cross and say to those, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And for those that don't like us, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is for everybody and not just our families. Love your enemy. Love your friends. Love everybody. No matter what happens, we need to endure the suffering that might come with it. As uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, they can do all these things to us, but we will still love you. So shall it be. Amen. May the grace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in the true Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.